0: Well, happy Resurrection Sunday to you all. All right. Maybe a little bit better than that. We, we, we could, I mean, this is the 10 o'clock service. We can do a little bit better than that. Happy Resurrection Sunday. All right. See, that helps because the next line that I have to read is, there's a different energy when it comes to Easter. <laughs> right, so that doesn't work if we don't, okay. But th- we, we did great the first time, I promise, you know. And we know that those of you watching with us online, you guys did better than, than everybody that was in person, but that, that's great. There's a different energy, though, when it comes to Easter, when you get around followers of Jesus, because it is a marker in time in which we celebrate the event that makes Jesus, Jesus. That's what's so powerful about the resurrection, is that of all the things that we know about Jesus, all the things that we can study, read about in the Bible, you know, things that he said, the things that he taught, it's the resurrection that makes Jesus. Jesus, it's no less true than any other day of the year, but when we set aside this time to celebrate it, it draws our hearts and minds back to the truth that our faith is built on. And that is that the good news that Jesus... Died, was buried, and raised from the dead so that we could be with God both now and forever. It's kind of like celebrating somebody's birthday. It's not that you don't care about them any other day during the year, but there's something special about setting aside a specific time and place and, and way of celebrating that describes value and worth and gratefulness and hopefully inspires us not to take that person's life f- for, for granted. But celebrating the resurrection has a lot more. Greater implications than just for this life. And so as Chip mentioned, that's why we're talking about heaven on Resurrection Sunday. And that's why over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what heaven is like, how we live in light of heaven and hell, uh, because the resurrection sustains the hope that we have in a promised new life, afterlife, in which we live directly within God's presence, in a new heaven and a new earth, which the, the best of this life is only a shadow There are misconceptions about heaven all over the place within our culture, and we'll talk about more about that in the next couple weeks and what it actually means for what we'll experience. But for today, we're celebrating what makes heaven possible, and that is that Jesus died and was raised again. There is no other faith, and I say this with research and boldness and conviction, that there is no other faith that has captured the hearts, minds, and souls of humanity globally and historically to the degree that following Jesus has And it's both a result of how Jesus changes our life now and what we look forward to in the life to come. Because what we believe about resurrection leads us or perhaps maybe frustrates us in this life and the life that we expect. The two are intertwined within our deepest sense of longing. And you know what I mean when I talk about longing. It's hard to articulate, but it's really easy to feel. We can pinpoint some things in our lives that, you know, there's those longings that are possible, maybe that we've experienced in the past before and we want to recapture again, you know, like that first cup of coffee on that much-needed vacation. You You know what I'm talking about? Like you get to the beach... Or you get to the cabin in the mountains and you sit on the porch and you have that first cup of coffee and you're like ah. that longing that we feel throughout the year or maybe you know recognition for your effort you know how good that feels when somebody comes up to you and says hey i just want to let you know you've been killing it lately you know great job and you're thinking man if i could just see, if i could just have somebody you know tell me that every day that would be amazing and we long to hear those words of affirmation or for that touch from that special someone you know how amazing that is when we long for that to happen, and when it does, I know my wife is so grateful to have me in her life <laughs> to fulfill that longing. And, and it goes from the possible to all the way to, to, to the impossible, the things that, you know, the deep desires of our hearts that we re- really want, but we know that are never going to happen. Like, I would love to, this summer, go spend a couple weeks with my grandparents, just me and them but they're not here with us anymore. And that's that longing and nostalgia that I have as a child being able to go and do that with them. And I remember how amazing, you know, those days were with them. And I long for that time again. Or I long for the athleticism or, or maybe just the recovery time and period of my body 20 years ago. I don't know if any of you can relate rate, relate to that, maybe add a couple more decades for, for some of us. Um, but I, I would love I would love to be able to, you know, be how I was then, or I would love for, and some of you are uh, some of you are not going to appreciate that that at all this at all. But I would love to have a standing tea time three times a week at Augusta National, right? So there's two of us excited excited about that. I think that would be incredible. There's you know a, a big golf tournament happening this coming weekend, you know. But I would love to be able to play play there regularly. Perfect weather, a couple close friends. You know, nobody else on the course except maybe a few legends from the game. And those are just the superficial longings, right? The possible and the impossible. Then they're the ones that we won't get into, the deep longings of the soul, like the desire to be liked by everyone or the desire to be seen as successful by, by everyone. We won't get into all of those. The list continues. And this is about more than just feeling content or pursuing contentment in our lives. While that's a needed pursuit, it has to be done with the realization that we're wired with an innate sense of there being more, or perhaps better stated that there should be more to this life. C.S. Lewis describes it like this. He says, the longings which arise in us when we first fall in love, or first think of some foreign country, or first take up some subject that really excites us, are longings which no marriage, no travel, no learning can really satisfy. I'm not now speaking of that which would be ordinarily called unsuccessful marriages, or holidays, or learned careers. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. There was something we grasped at, at that first moment of longing, which just fades away in the reality. I think everyone knows what I mean. The wife may be a good wife, and the hotels and scenery may have been excellent, and chemistry may be a very interesting job, but something has evaded us. And that something that has evaded us is, is the result of us living within a reality that is not meant to be as it was meant to be. That is not as it was meant to be. Our unfulfilled longing is the evidence of that, and the answer is the resurrection of Jesus. Because resurrection fulfills our deepest sense of longing in our lives. Last weekend, I officiated both a wedding and a funeral, which was the first time that I had done both back-to-back, on back-to-back days. And as you can imagine, those things are opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how we enter into those, you know, our mindset and how we're thinking about them. One is full of promise and joy, The other is more filled with, you know, uh, feelings of finality and grief. In one sense, we are joined forever. In another sense, we're separated forever. And yet, both are bookends to some of our deepest and strongest desires. A perfect relationship that never ends. That would supply the greatest of our needs and wants in our lives. And resurrection is what makes that seemingly impossible longing a rational existence in our hearts and our minds. While the disciples of Jesus are huddled together in fear and despair after Jesus' death, their view on life was that they had chosen an avenue that was now made uh, close to them. And so they're like, "Man, we we you know put our money on the wrong horse. And like that stinks because now everybody's going to be coming after us. They're going to want to kill us next. And so we've just wasted all of these years in our life. That's That is how they were thinking about what happened with Jesus. They weren't sitting there like we are now, able to celebrate, hey, it's Friday, but Sunday is coming, because they hadn't seen and experienced the resurrection yet in their lives. And yet after Jesus shows back up to them physically alive, they didn't consider following Jesus a choice at all at that moment. Because they experienced him. They saw him. And so it changed everything, the course of history for them. And so it became faith and action built on a promise fulfilled. Even though Jesus had told them this was going to come, they didn't grasp it until they experienced it. This is what Jesus had told them in John 14, starting in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Of course, Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, most people, especially at the beginning of this passage, read this and think that Jesus is referring to a physical location where in heaven, we're going to get this great house. Sometimes people think, you know, it's it's going to be this great mansion or, you know, in God's house there are many rooms. So at least it's going to be a really nice apartment because somewhere in our conception, you know, what, you know, we think what could be more exciting about an eternity with the creator of all good things, but the ability to lock your door and tell people to go away right? Or be able to tell people to get off your lawn. Like that's, that's what we think about that, that private space where you can be separated from other people. But that's a pale substitute for understanding what Jesus is actually talking about as he's, uh, the force of what he's telling the disciples. Jesus prepares a place for us by dying on the cross and resurrecting from the grave so that we might live with God unhindered by any unfulfilled longing. Jesus defeats evil in which sin and death thrive through the cross and through the empty tomb. He takes the punishment we, we deserve. He heals the broken bond that God had originally created us to have with us, a, a complete bond with him. And so that place that Jesus prepares isn't simply a room with a view in the afterlife, but a renewed reality in which we know who we are, we know whose we are, and we know where we're headed. Where God's house used to be the temple, the church is the bride of Christ, which is made up of followers of Jesus, now resides with God through Jesus. And the culmination of our place with God is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, which creates both a present and a future reality. Present in that we become new creations living within the kingdom of God right now, today, as followers of Jesus. Future in that we will be resurrected to live with God in the kingdom of heaven then. And this is why Paul is able to say in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Whether in life or in death, because of Jesus, we cannot be separated from God any longer. And this is the thing that has given us the most problem and the most pain in this life, the most unfulfilled sense of longing. And this gives us eternal rest from that. That's what Jesus does through his resurrection. This is life as it should be, as it was always meant to be, as God created it to be, in perfect harmony and peace with the world and people around us. In longing, we've all felt the need and desire for heaven, and Jesus' resurrection is the answer for that. The resurrection exchanges our earthly, unfulfilled sense of longing for the heavenly longing that Jesus ensures, promises, and makes, makes it become fulfilled. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. If you've ever wished that there could be more to life, or maybe that you could undo some things in your life, maybe there's some shame or guilt or regret uh, or, or ways in which you've ever felt unfulfilled. God is doing away with all of those things and making every, everything new. Where those problems, any problem no longer exists. While humanity started the problem off, while we started it off with our sin in the garden in the beginning where we dwelt with God, God finishes it off at the cross of Christ. And Jesus continues to prepare that new dwelling place where we get to be with God again with the problem of sin and death erased forever. Christianity as a faith is built on something different. It's not about law keeping, it's not about belief-based spirituality, it's about a holistically different way of viewing the joining together of the physical and spiritual world through Jesus, fully God and fully man, forever changing the natural progression of life. And Surprised by Hope, N.T. Wright explains it like this, to put it at its most basic, the resurrection of Jesus offers itself To the student of history or science, no less than the Christian or the theologian, not as an odd event within the world as it is, but as the utterly characteristic, prototypical, and foundational event within the world as it has begun to be. It is not an absurd event within the old world, but the symbol and starting point of the new world. The claim advanced in Christianity is of that magnitude. Jesus of Nazareth ushers in not simply a new religious possibility, not simply a new ethic, or a new way of salvation, But a new creation this life that we live right now is is in is just a shadow of the life to come and the temptation is to get trapped in longing for the shadow that we're in now to maybe simply be a better a, a better or different shape maybe a better version of what this current world has to offer a better life a better bank account job body mind relationship family memory circumstances But when we're faced with the reality that even a better version of those things don't satiate our souls, we arrive at the need for something else entirely that this life alone cannot provide. And the resurrection of Jesus is what creates that new life that we're so desperately longing for, and a whole new conception of what it means to be truly alive. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation awaits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And this all began when Jesus went to the cross to prepare a place for us with God. And this was ensured when the women and the men who knew Jesus discovered not just an empty tomb, but a physically alive Jesus, which caused them to live life in such a way that it has changed the course of human history and continues to do so today. And so what we celebrate today, the resurrection on Easter Sunday, is a conspicuous joy a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth whose reality and existence we begin to live in now and prepare to live in then as we model our hearts and minds after that of Jesus. A new life that the cross makes possible for everyone with the resurrection as a promise that no matter how broken our lives may be or have been or may become at some point down the road, there's nothing that God cannot make brand new. And Jesus has done the work. The response is up to us believe that he is who he says he is saying yes to being free from the consequences of sin and death and baptism turning toward God instead of away from him and true life new life begins to be revealed in us and through us as we follow him look God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them they will be his people and God himself will be with him and be their God he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Jesus is what fulfills and sustains our longing for new life. And as followers of Jesus on, are on earth as it is in heaven, life has already begun. And we have everything to look forward to. A new life, and a new heaven, and a new earth. And it all started with a cross. It was all made possible by an empty tomb, and it's all sustained by a risen Savior. Let's pray. God, as we we specifically come together this morning to celebrate the joy of the resurrection, God, we ask that through your Holy Spirit you... Help us to understand the magnitude of what that means for how we live life, with how we view others, with what we pursue, how we think about the world, the world around us. That, that the life to come that you've promised us, that you've described to us in your, in your word, that's, that's a life that we can start to begin living now. That despite what might be going on around us or how other people might be living, that, that we can start living that new creation life that you call us into as we follow, as we follow Jesus. Guys, we we honor you for this. We praise you for this. We give you all the glory for how you have blessed us with being redeemed back to you through your son Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. God, help us to see how you fulfilled this longing for new life and how we might live it out and how we might share it with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.